Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm 5, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. And I'm Kevin. So Kevin, early on in your lifetime, as early as five or before, you learned to smell. Uh, And that's what we're talking about today. Why do bad smells like smoke or rotting food appear to linger longer and are harder to neutralize than say good smells like the smell of flowers or perfume? Ah, well, actually that's not exactly correct. So we have to explain a few details here. Smoke is not actually a smell. It's uh, particles, and it's harder to remove solids from something than gases. So mixing smoke into the question is not a great way to compare. You know, you can smell these solids also if they reside on furniture or other surfaces, for example, but this won't happen to gases like perfume. And rotting food, actually, it contains something very highly concentrated, bacterial, gaseous products, so it takes more air to dilute them. Uh, but Zen is not really, you know, stinking anymore. You know, think of a fart, which is also another bacterial gaseous product from inside your gut. It stinks acutely, but it vanishes pretty fast too, because it's mainly composed of sulfur gases and thus not very highly concentrated, you know, easier to dilute. Now, if you want a good smell to last a very long time, try something like lilac flowers. Get a ton of them and it will last for several days in your apartment especially during blooming times. How about something like garlic? Why does the smell of garlic stay on your hands for hours or even longer, even after you've extensively scrubbed and washed them? Ah, some people like that smell in their hands. But you know, garlic is even more powerful than that. If you rub fresh garlic on the soles of your feet, about an hour later, you could actually still taste the garlic. That is because the molecule that causes garlic smell is small enough to penetrate the skin and blood vessels, where it goes all the way up to your mouth and nose. Well, that's pretty interesting. So can you explain how our sense of smell really works? Explain it like I'm five, of course. Oh, so yeah, I'll try. Um, It's the scientific word for smell is actually it's called olfaction. That's basically how you smell, the sense of smell. It involves the detection and perception of chemicals floating in the air. Uh, Another way of putting that is that basically these chemical molecules, they enter the nose and dissolve in mucus within uh, a membrane inside your nose called the olfactory uh, epithelium. Ah, and where is this membrane, the olfactory epithelium? How far up is it up your nose? So in humans, uh, this thing is about seven centimeters up and into the nose from the nostrils. So in this membrane, there are millions of hair cells, which are the receptors that respond to particular chemicals. And in humans, there's actually about 40 million olfactory receptors. Is that a lot or a little? Well, it's better than birds, which have almost no sense of spell. But by comparison, in the German Shepherd dog, there are about 2 billion olfactory receptors. So they definitely have a better sense of smell than we do. We still have lots to learn about what makes olfactory receptors react to different odors, but the electrical activity produced in these receptor hair cells is basically transmitted to the olfactory bulb and then then to the brain. What parts of the brain does it go to? Oh, a few different parts of the brain actually. But the the most interesting thing about the parts of the brain these olfactory signals go to is that many are part of what we call the limbic system. 
The limbic system is involved with emotional behavior and memory. So that explains why when you smell something, it very often brings back memories associated with that smell or object. So that's really interesting. Apparently different people have the sensitivity to different odors and that most of these differences are actually caused by genetic differences. Is that right? Oh yeah, that's definitely true. One very popular example of this is that some people greatly dislike and can't stand the herb coriander or cilantro is actually the same thing, saying that it smells like soap and tastes like crushed bugs. Now, this reaction has been linked to a set of genes directly in the human genome. It's called the OR6A2 gene, and that's why sometimes if you do those genetic tests like 23andMe, they will, they will tell you if you can't stand cilantro just from your sequence DNA. Fascinating. And it's also a reminder that smell and our perceptions of flavors are tightly linked. That's right. That's right. The taste modalities are, you know, the things like sweetness, sourness, saltiness, bitterness, and umami. And flavor, you know, takes these into account, but also the smells from our food. When you have a cold, for example, and you can't smell properly, you might have noticed that food tastes a little funny. We also put lemon juice on fish to make the fish taste and smell less fishy because it's the acid that neutralizes a chemical group in the fish, uh, making them non-volatile and basically stopping that fishy smell. Don't some people also say that smell is one of the reasons why airplane food tastes so bad in general? Oh yes, yes, that is, that is true. The low pressure and humidity on an airplane makes your senses of taste and smell up to 30% less effective. So this contributes to the very poor reputation of airline food. And some people have no smell at all, right? Oh, it's not just some people, it's actually about 2 million people in the United States who have no sense of smell at all. They have a disorder called anosmia. In fact, a, another fun fact is that the co-founder of Ben & Jerry's ice cream, Ben Cohen, cannot smell. And the reason the ice cream is characteristically chunky is because in order to compensate for his lack of taste, he would add big pieces of fruit to the ice cream in order to satisfy his need for texture in the food. Uh, that's right. Beyond taste, it's smell and also texture that plays a big part in how we perceive flavor in our food. Did you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially when you've got comments and suggestions for us. As always, thank you to the community at r slash explain like I'm five, and we will see you all next week.